1: How do I actually have a relationship with people who the very core of my being and my values, they don't agree with? What are you wanting me to do with that? Say what you want, but I think it's important that we take time that we follow voices that you don't agree with. You have to understand what other people are saying. And just as fundamentally as I believe this is right, somebody else has been indoctrinated to believe that this other thing is totally true, right? So how do
0: I take time to hear other voices? Hey everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. All right, you guys, right now we are in a series called For the Love of Faith Shakers. We are just kind of having a great time talking to people who are doing work in the name of faith in not so typical places, using like non-traditional ways to bring sort of life and light to people's Lives. It's been really interesting for me. It's so innovative to listen to the way these particular leaders are living out their faith kind of on the margins or on less traveled paths or non-centered environments. Okay, so for today, you know that religion and faith and spirituality on social media, it's a whole thing, right? And so... We can go there to connect with people that share our ideals and create community, to be challenged, to be instructed, even pastored, if you will. But social media can also have the propensity to tip us into negative space. And I mean, we know this too, that just social media isn't one thing. It's kind of a lazy response to it to say it's all bad and needs to be completely overhauled or even it's all good. And there's nothing to fear here and nothing to keep our eye on, nothing to reimagine. It's something in the middle. That's been my personal experience is that social media in some ways has been an absolute glorious addition to my life. Genuinely incredible. It has brought me to the most amazing people. For me, largely social media is a wonderful value add to my life but I also, of course, have experienced its negative side effects. When I am misusing it or overusing it, when I am not careful about media literacy or my personal intake and input, when the tail starts wagging the dog, I'm super familiar with how that begins to have a wear and tear on my spirit and on my soul, on my brain, literally on my thoughts, right? And so this brings us, to our kids, the next generation. Now, I obviously have five kids. My kids are 16 to 23. So, I mean, we're in the thick of it. Like we're right there in teen and young adulthood. And so if you know any young people in your life, if you have children, if you mentor them anywhere, if you're around students at all, we're kind of aware of the Catch-22 nature of social media, right? And let's funnel it down into specifics for today's conversation from a faith perspective, right? There are Christian TikTokers and personalities who use that platform to talk about their personal faith or their convictions. But also there is a dark side, right? To, to having that be the primary source of faith input. Some of it subtle, some of it's overt, but we do see it forming and shaping the brains and the perspectives of this next generation this is the first generation literally to just come up with a phone in their hands you know we in mine there's a before and an after i absolutely remember life before social media it was most my whole childhood and adolescence and college even so you know i have a different perspective our kids don't this is their life they this is all they've ever known and we've got some really interesting data at this point that we're just beginning to collect around the effect of social media on on minds on neuropathways. pathways on a sense of well being, on mental wellness. You know, we'll be parsing this out for generations, and a lot of our data is still young and early, and even to some degree, untested, but we are learning more and more and more, which means ultimately we're going to probably start doing better and better and better, right? So I'm thinking about students today. I'm thinking about their relationship with social media and how do we, as leaders in their life, as parents or whatever we are to them instill positive and healthy ways to integrate it into their lives, right? What instruction do we wrap around social media? And frankly, yes, this is for our students. And yes, it is also for us. We are also deeply affected by social media and the way it has changed our relational patterns and the way we perceive the world and the ways in which we share and don't share. So, this is both for the next generation, but also this entire episode is for us too. We are going to jump into all of this with our guest this week, Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Okay, so Heather is an interdenominational speaker. Her work's been featured on the Today Show, BBC Radio Life, Forbes. She's also the host of Viral Jesus, which is a podcast that discusses weekly the power of digital communication and social connections, and how we can seek out important conversations related to positive and beneficial and productive living and faith in digital spaces and she knows her stuff you guys so heather's an associate professor of communication at andrews university and she's intent on serving students and women she's written a book on the very thing we're going to be talking about today and it's called it's not your turn and it talks about the instant gratification of our social media spaces And the real issue of comparison that that fosters in our hearts and minds. And so we love the faith-shaking work she's doing in the digital space to help people navigate self-image and spirituality and conviction and even disagreement. And what a boots on the ground way to meet people, especially young people, where they live. This is where they are. It's not necessarily in Sunday school or at youth camp, right? Like this is where they are. So this is where she goes and this is where a lot of us go. And so she is so smart. She is so engaging and I love her pluck and I am grateful that she is an important voice to the next generation and to us. So I'm super delighted to speak today and share this conversation with the absolutely wonderful Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Okay, Heather, I'm so just absolutely delighted to meet you and so proud of you and invested in your work. And your message right now is so important. It is so timely. I just told you before we start, hit record. I feel like we're starving for leadership in this place. We're looking for mentors to help us through. And so you are that. And I am so happy to have you on the show today. I am honored to be here. I'm excited. Okay. So I've already filled in my listeners a little bit about who you are, Okay, but for those of them that are new to you and to your work, could you sort of high level for my community, who you are, like where you are, who are your people and basically just from the 30,000 foot view, what it is that you do.
1: Yeah. So Whenever I try to explain who I am, I think it's best to say that I'm a professor. I'm a teacher. I'm forever both a teacher and a student. And that's probably the space that I feel most passionate about being in is serving young adult college students. So I teach communication, I teach social media, and I also happen to be a person of great faith. And my relationship with Christ has always been super foundational to me, whether I was in a secular school environment or I'm now at a Christian university in Michigan it's always just really kind of changed how I view my students and the way I enter my classroom. So I think that's, that's a good idea of who I am. And I'm also an author.
0: Okay. Heather, you mentioned this just a second ago, but I'd like to get a little bit more granular on it. So okay. your goal at the tip top of your website is to serve college students and women unapologetically. You know, yeah. I love this. Yeah. Can you talk about why that is your focus and then parse it out a little bit. What gaps did you see, particularly in the faith space that allowed you to kind of step into this particular kind of instruction and guidance and education?
1: Yeah. And I think, so part of that came out of, as things in my ministry started to change, I just, I had a mentor as I was trying to figure out which events do you take, which speaking things do you go to. And he said, you take the ones that only you can take. And so I felt like, you know, there's so many other people that could maybe speak at like just an everyday church. There's only so many people that speak to college students. That is just where I've lived. And it's honestly the gap that I fell into myself. You know, people always tell those stories about this great teacher that impacted their lives. I never had that. I never had an adult outside of my parents until probably in graduate school. Wow. That saw me and invested in me. And so I'm just really passionate about kind of, serving where I wasn't. And as far as like just female, that it's such a unique experience to work in ministry. I think, I think everybody understands us as a Christian female, it's a unique experience. And so that's another gap that I found myself falling in. And so it's just a space that I feel really comfortable serving in.
0: Mm. God, they must love you. I hope like, so. I, am I love that. Right I'm like, Oh, you must be everybody's favorite. I love that age group. I find them wildly vibrant and very smart. They can are we so, talk about this for a second? Can we please? Because I mean it. Like I have a bunch of kids in that age group and they are so engaged with the world in a way that I, I didn't even have the imagination for yes, when I was there. I, I agree. And I, I find them thoughtful. And courageous, and less hung up on some of the stuff that I was when I was their age. I just I'm very very hopeful about this generation. What's your assessment?
1: I I feel the same. And people constantly say to me, you know, they always are like, "Well, what are we gonna do
0: about this next
1: generation?" And I'm like, I just walked out of an intercultural communication class before I sat down here, and just the level of engagement and conversation that we just lecture on diversity and inclusion, the level of engagement that I get from students. And just the willingness to, I think, even be in uncomfortable conversations is very unique to this generation. I will say this. okay, I think we underestimate the impact of COVID on this generation. I think the two years that they've battled for, for that to be either your senior and freshman year or your junior and senior year of university, I will say I have never had more students when, I, when you're like, what's the dream? I don't know. And I think it's because they did so much of their life has been out of their control for the last two years at very pivotal years. That's right. It's very difficult for them to plan anymore. And that's new. I, I didn't see that. I started teaching over 10 years ago. That wasn't a thing. Like they were such big dreamers. And now I think there's a struggle
0: almost to dream for yourself anymore because nothing seems controllable. It's so right. You're so right. I, gosh, I, this is a whole conversation that deserves its place at the center. I've got, my kids are between 16 and 23. Okay. And so virtually all of them have had two years of covid in pivotal years, yeah, I had two seniors the first year of COVID—one in high school, one in college—and everything in between. And I mean, if we're just a microcosm of the effect on students, I mean, I can just tell you the amount of work we have had to do around mental health, yeah, yeah. and just honestly, an educational gap.
1: Yeah, that
0: too. I, I've got a couple of kids who do not learn virtually; they just don't. They cannot. They cannot sit at their laptop; it doesn't work. And I just feel like, golly, we lost a whole year. This year's better, but it's still—it's still tough. So tough. We're going to be talking about this for decades. I think so too. Uh huh. The effect on this group of students and how they'll carry this into adulthood, and the losses that probably just sort of roll out the older they get. Okay, let's come back to your specialty. Yeah. What do you think? What, what's your opinion? on why it is so vital that we are in major conversation with our young people about how they navigate social media and offering them resources. And again, I can speak as a parent going, tell me everything, you know, resources that resonate with like kind of where they live right now. And this is, you know, this is a social media generation entirely. Right. There's no precedence for them. They're the first to sort of have come up with the phones in their hands. And so I want you to high level the the discussion at large. Why is this important right now? And then the second question is, how do you suggest that we offset the often negative, not entirely negative, but often negative consequences of social media where our kids are just constantly being sold something? constantly, a product, a lifestyle, an idea, a mindset, and that more likes and more follows is literally the key to their identity and their worth. It's a big question. I kind of put a lot in there. Why don't you just take that and run with it?
1: So there's so many ways I think social media impacts us. And I think a big one that I have noticed in this generation is if it doesn't happen instantly, then it's not for me. And we have to realize that this is a generation that has been wired And everything they experience is instant gratification. And so again, I'll have students that if I struggle in this relationship, then it must not be a good relationship for me because it's just not working, right? Or I'll have a student that will sit in my office. I I can think of, I can see her. She sat in my office and she's like, Dr. Day, you don't understand. I have prayed and I have cried and I have tried with God and I don't feel anything. And I said, well, sweetie, how long did you pray? And she looked at me and she said, three months. And I said, a relationship with God is a journey. That's right. And it's not this instant thing that if I cry out for three months, I'm I'm going to have like the ceiling ripped open and now He's going to stand before me. A relationship with God is a journey. And an example I like to use is when we when we see the story of the Israelites at the Red Sea. The idea that we have from the movie of the Ten Commandments is that Moses lifts up his staff and the sea parts instantly, but that's not what Scripture says. The God that could have done it instantly, it says that he sent a great wind and it took all night, what he could have done in a moment he chose to do in a process. And so I really am passionate about walking students through the process of life and letting them know that failure and things that make you uncomfortable and struggles, like it doesn't mean that it's not for you. Sometimes that's part of your story. So I think we have to be honest as adults with them about our own experiences of failure. And because all they're getting is the highlights on our social media posts. That's right. Right. And it looked so instant for us, but you and I know that that's not the story. Totally. Right. So how do we be honest? I think about the time that things take from what they see in adults now and then what they're experiencing in their real lives. So they don't feel like they've done something wrong because they haven't done anything wrong. They're just a
0: part of the journey. Mm. From a practical standpoint, when you just kind of get down to brass tacks here, what are some of your tools, resources, resources? even boundaries possibly that you put into the hands of your students, because frankly, Heather, like we need them to, okay. Like we're talking about students being an instant gratification generation, but we're turning into that. Like it's affecting us too. And so this is obviously sort of centered on young people, but I, I think your instruction is salient for a lot of us, but particularly as a bunch of us are raising that age group or we are mentoring them in some way i'd just love to hear what some of your tools are what what are you putting in the hands of people yeah there's a couple things that
1: i definitely oh i mean we i have textbooks you know but there's a couple things that i always say and that is i take a sabbath from social media that's good that's really i do a a, a weekly for me it's friday night sundown to saturday night sundown that i don't check any notifications i won't get on my app i don't do anything and that's just to remind me that this is not who I am, That's right? Good. So a weekly time for me to detox from it, I think is important. Another thing that I practice that I hate saying, like everybody must do this because everybody's different. But for me, I have found it to be very helpful. I will not log online unless I've had worship because I found that I always, I would I was struggling to find time to fit God into my life, but I never struggled to find time to check my Twitter, right? So when I started saying, if you don't have worship today, then that's fine, but you're not going to get on your apps either, guess what? I never missed worship again. So that's just like a daily practice. Before I fill myself with all the thoughts that all these other people are telling me that I'm supposed to be concerned with, how am I listening first to what I'm saying is the most important relationship in my life? So I think, the, I think there's some other things. We just talked about this in my class, because here's a big thing students struggle with. I keep hearing this this semester in particular. I don't know how to have a relationship with my parents anymore, or I don't know how to have a relationship with My church anymore because we have fundamentally different values. Mm, And how am I? How how do I actually have a relationship with people who the, the very core of my being and my values they don't agree with? What are you wanting me to do with that? Say what you want, but I think it's important that we take time that we follow voices that you don't agree with. You have to understand what other people are saying. And just as fundamentally as I believe this is right, somebody else has been indoctrinated to believe that this other thing is totally true, right? So how do I take time to hear other voices? And this isn't, I'm not being political, but this is a very good example. We know statistically that depending on what, depending on what political party you affiliate yourself with, that changes the number of news sources you will agree to take in. And it's significant. Right. So one political party will only listen to about five different news sources, whereas the other Democrats will listen to about 20. So the differences are. I've never heard that data point. It is so stark. Right. So, and there's so many, there's like a complexity of this, but because a student just said to me, no, at this point, it's just willful ignorance of people. And I'm like, I don't know if that's. Fully true, because if everything that I'm experiencing in my world, perception is reality. If everybody that's talking to me and if everything that's showing up on my social media feed, and if all the people at my church are telling me this is true, then it must be true. Totally. Right? So how do we make space to give people human dignity and value, even though I fundamentally disagree with you? Communication theory says, I cannot control you. I can only control my own message. Yeah. And so unfortunately, the responsibility is always just on yourself to control what you can control and to decide I'm going to choose and God, give me the strength and the patience to keep seeing value and dignity in this person. Even though I do fundamentally disagree with you, we have to do that. And so part of that is just exposing ourselves, I think, to the ideas that other people are being exposed with so that we can even, you don't have to accept them, but I have to have an idea of what that conversation looks like and how we become so polarized because else we just keep saying, well, I don't understand how they could believe that.
0: Yeah, that's right boy this is a lost approach right now it yeah. really is it just feels it like true. people are so siloed and then there's just confirmation bias that we surround ourselves with of course cuz when you hear when you cherry pick your news your input and it's all the same it really does create a narrative for you that this is what everyone thinks or this is the only Idea out there. This is absolutely true and non problematic, and and this is kind of across the board. Of course, I'm I'm lumping us all in here, and so this idea of mature dialogue around competing ideas, while while preserving the dignity of the person across from you, I, I feel like I don't see it very often. It just feels increasingly rare. Do you feel like this next generation of students? are improving in this way or not? Because we haven't set a good example. Like those of us ahead of them, we have not set a good example. (laughs) Right? I think it Mm -hmm. has to be modeled.
1: Yeah. They're the future leaders. Well, who is leading now? Right? And so there's a responsibility on us to make time. And I hear this again from students where, they'll say like, oh, I'll spend time with my parents, but they're not actually spending time with me, right? They're on their phone or they're chasing this or who's mentoring them. Who's walking them through these, the difficulties that the world is presenting us with. And there's just so much, like life has so much, especially for women, I think, with, I have to be all things at work. And also I cannot drop a thing with my family or else now I'm a bad woman. There's all this stuff that we carry. And so COVID for me, one of the things that it did was it helped me reevaluate what's important. And for me, I just decided like that is my kids and that is making sure that I am being a present person in their lives. And so if I say no to all this extra stuff, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. God will always find somebody else to do that. He will never find anyone else to be their mom. That I chose to have children. That is my responsibility. And so how I chose to be in a profession that's just a service profession. So if a student comes and sits in my office, one of my rules for myself is there is nothing more important than you will do in this day than sit and talk to the student right now. And so you're not going to look at your watch. You're not going to talk on your phone. You're going to sit and have this conversation, show people that they can take your time.
0: I like that. That is a way through presence proximity in real life, being invested in one another. Golly, we've lost a lot. Like social media has done a lot for the world. And and there's so many positives. There's so much upside. It's connected us in new and powerful ways and it's made possible so much good work, but man, it has also robbed us of connection like real connection in real life connection. And I feel it. You know, I feel that as, you know, in my age group, we were the befores and afters. So we have a memory of a different way. You know, my kids, it's all they know. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Nasal Allergy Symptom Relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount. So you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. So you are a fellow podcast host yeah, and with your show "Viral Jesus," such a clever name. Well done. Thank you very much. So clever. Very proud of that. <laughs> you really take the time to dive into social media spaces and how we can kind of wade through the mire to find meaningful, like, productive faith conversations through these platforms. And it is possible. It for sure is. So, can you talk about that a little bit more and why you particularly feel compelled to talk about faith in a social media setting?
1: Yeah, there's a couple different reasons for that. One is just that I think as a Christian, you don't wait. Like Martin Luther King has this fantastic quote where he says, The difference between good men and evil men is that good men will wait, they'll Mm -hmm. wait to pray. wait to think. And as long as you wait, he says, you'll always be out organized by evil because evil never waits. And so I'm saying if what we have available to us, I could wait until a church invites me to speak, or I could do what I can with what I have. I love this. And all that I have is my social media right now. When originally we know God was not meant to be in a temple or a sanctuary, though those are sacred spaces. He was in a tent so that he could dwell among his people. This is just the tent that we get to enact with where everybody is. And I can make an impact in my community from my couch. Are you kidding me? I love it. To me, it's like, this is a no brainer as to when people even waste energy saying, oh, well, should the church be doing all these online initiatives? Like to me, that's, ridiculous because this is where people are and people who would never feel comfortable showing up in your church. And I have people who would never feel comfortable even having a conversation with a Christian because of their past experiences. For sure. They may find themselves on your social media feed. And I can tell you from experience in the letters I've received, you may be the only Christian on somebody else's social media feed. So what are you saying? And I believe we will be held accountable for the things that we said, hmm. right? So what do mm-hmm. you, We should absolutely, everybody, there's a priesthood of all believers. We all have an opportunity to make a difference. And so just choose wisely what you're going to say. And I want to add this too to the conversation of social media. There's a fantastic paper. It's called The Strength of Weak Ties. It was done by Stanford in the the 70s. And essentially what it says is there's this idea and culture that you have to have best friends and people who are the most healthy and happy have a few best friends. The Strength of Weak Ties says, actually, we are the most healthy and happy when we have a lot of weak ties. So when we're talking about weak ties, we're talking about relationships. Uh, A weak tie of mine, I go to like the same diner in my small town most Wednesdays. And there's a waitress there. Her name is Shirley. And every time I walk in, Shirley will say, hey, I've missed you. I haven't seen you around. We have a conversation. And that's a weak tie. I have never called Shirley on the phone. We are not best friends. But when I walk in the diner, absolutely, she knows my name. And we're going to have a conversation. We are healthier, happier people when we have a lot of weak ties. Interesting. So I like saying this, especially to students, because I think that in some ways we've created this deep anxiety where they feel like if I don't have best friends and there's something wrong with me, that is so true. Right. And because of COVID, there's just a lot of people that don't have really deep relationships. And so I say to them, but do you have some meaningful weak ties? Let's take the pressure off because people are healthier and happier when they have a lot of weak ties, what is social media? I I call them Carol's and Carl's. It's the people that you'll click like on. I've never met you. We do not zoom call and we do not chat and we do not text, but if you post your baby picture, I'm going to click like, right. And Carol knows my name. And when I say I got a job, Carol's going to comment. And we, our relationship has never gone to the deeper stages of development, but there is a relationship there. Guess what? That impacts my life. Actually, they did a study on this with like LinkedIn this was super fascinating. It was like 84% of people who got a new job was based on a weak tie, not a strong one.
0: Interesting.
1: Right. So yeah. weak ties actually are super beneficial to our lives. And so there's so much good with social media. I have had students sit across from me at a cafeteria and say, I would not be a Christian anymore. If the only idea of Christianity I had was from my small community." The reason I'm still a Christian is because of the weak ties on my social network. And so it is such like when people say, oh, this doesn't matter. You're wasting your time or keyboard warrior. I can't, it drives me crazy because we be faithful with what you have. And you are, you are kidding me. If you think God can't use your phone, Mm. it's just ridiculous.
0: Mm. I like this perspective. I like it. This is, I do too. This is divergent and there's sort of a narrative out there, which is, those weak ties don't count and they don't matter. And they're robbing us of all these strong ties that we might have, which is, this is all just hypothetical, of course, like maybe we'd have all these strong ties if we weren't investing in these weak ties, but it's really a profound thing to hear you say there's there, those are powerful too. And they matter in a different way but they do matter. And so that does take some of the pressure off. It really does. Like, like everybody relax. My kids feel that pressure. What you're saying right now feels very familiar to me. This idea that if their relationships are not like at the height of intimate and meaningful, they don't have anything that counts in their life. I'm going to talk to my kids about that. We were literally having this conversation this week. Let me ask you this question, Heather. I'm just curious because I originally came up through what I would consider like a, like traditional faith space, like sort of the traditional conventional church world and everything that goes with it, all the wrappings of that. And so I'm familiar with breaking ranks really in any way. And, you know, I've had some divergent ideas and, Convictions that have sort of changed my path. But I'm curious for you, when you first started talking about like this intersection of Jesus and social media and all of its tendrils, did you have any pushback from just kind of the religious community in general? And if so, what was your response to it?
1: Yeah, I can't say if it's so much because of my content, or I just think as things grow, there's more eyes. And so There's always more pushback, right? And so I've had people write letters to my boss about an article I wrote in Newsweek. I've had people send things to my office. There was like a gift, it was a mug that said, I'm so woke that somebody sent to my office. But I've had people send like print out my tweets and send them to my husband's church for I don't know what they expected him to do with them, but like evaluate them as a church board. Sure, I've had pushback. And this is why I'm I'm saying like, Social media is wonderful, but I have to know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so I've not yet, and knock on wood, right? Like I could be challenged in this way next month, but I've not yet had pushback so strong that I've questioned whether or not I was meant to be doing what I'm doing, right? Like I've had enough. And I think part of this is, is again, being present in my real life because I have students that I get to sit with who will circle back for me. 50 people in my DMs or yelling at me online really doesn't compare to this person who sits in front of me and says, thank you for doing this. Or I've gotten letters from people saying, I did not ever think I'd go to a real physical church again, but I stopped at one because of, of," which is like really mind-blowing. I still can't even, it's going to make me cry to even talk about I just think you don't always realize the way the Holy Spirit can work in somebody else's life. And you don't ever, at least for me, like, I don't see myself in that way. Right. As like, you don't, even as you're saying things that matter, you don't always realize that it does. That's right. But God is so much bigger than you and he can do so many things. And so I'm saying you have to be faithful to what he has put on your heart. And part of that is making the time to be really, truly led by the Holy Spirit. And that's a daily thing for me. And so as long as we're making time where, it, where I'm no longer beholden to whether or not people like me online, I am doing what I'm doing because I know God has called me to it. We have to make time for that, for him to be the loudest voice in our whole embodied spirit, you know, and then give yourself, And I'm not good at this. I'm trying to be better at giving myself really like when somebody says, thank you, How do I take that in as much as I would take in somebody's criticism? I will roll over criticism, right? All day. But 50 people at the end of the semester will say, thank you. And I'm like, oh, well, they don't really mean it. Or "Uh." it's like, no, take that in. And we have to do better at like self-compassion, being good to ourselves and allowing the words people say to you
0: to really, to sit in that and let it be enough. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Why? why do the 99 beautiful responses just kind of fall to the wayside and that one is the one you lay in bed that night and just replay and replay it's such like <laughs> familiar human nature and i i love your instruction to let's let's flip the narrative let's let the flip, flip the script on that i'm curious as you sort of survey the landscape right now you know you've spent so much time studying social media communications you you have so many credentials around this and you have so much data in your brain around how it's working right now, what the projections are, what's the trajectory. And some of this we're just, we're guessing at, but as you sort of look at the landscape, I'd like to know, where would you say this is a a piece of it, a thread of it, a possibility inside of it, or a trajectory of like social media usage that I would, I'm concerned about, And I can, if I parse this out to it's like inevitable end or this, I could see growing into something that's more dangerous or more nefarious or really just like bad for our minds and souls and spirits. And to the other side of that, what do you feel hopeful about? What are you looking at going? This is a beautiful outcropping of this type of platform. And I'd love to see it continue to kind of grow and shine.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obvious that the things that worry me is what I just spent all this time talking to my students about, which is just the deep polarization. And so you're going to have to challenge the algorithm, unfortunately, and seek out voices that you disagree with.
0: Right. They're not when gonna come to you. They're they not coming not. to you because the they're, algorithm they're it up Has that way. you figured out? So, right. So yep. this
1: is on you. I can't. There's so many things I can't control. What can I control? And that is going to, I mean, take the time to There's so many different news sites that will send you like a topic like Russia-Ukraine, right? And then it will send you a Republican article and a Democrat article that ha- talks about this exact same topic. Take time to look that stuff up so that you're reminded that. People are always human beings with dignity, even if we very, very much differ in how we see the same issue. Cause when we lose that, we've almost lost the entire point, no matter what side you're on. I think we both agree, no matter what side we're on, that human beings are worthy of dignity. So you have to choose that, right? And you're gonna have to fight against the algorithm. So that's what my my concern is, is that we are so polarized and it's not going to change unless we decide to push back and make it change for ourselves. Things that I'm excited and hopeful about, man. I'm so excited about connection. I'm so excited about community. I'm so excited about somebody being able to take a really painful experience and talk about a miscarriage and have 50 people say, thank you so much for sharing that because now I feel seen. And this isn't something that people are talking about. Right. So I'm always hopeful. And I always believe that God is going to be God. So I'm not really a doom and gloom person because nothing is new under the sun. We have been here before we've been divided before, right? So God will always be God. And what is my responsibility as somebody who proclaims to follow him and how I'm using these tools in front of me? Cause there's responsibility attached to
0: bearing his name. What does that look like? It looks like treating people with dignity. Mm, I love this. And I know that it's possible and it's interesting to watch it occasionally when it plays out with people setting good examples from different sides of an issue and they choose to model what it looks like to have a mature, reasonable conversation with somebody who believes differently while not sacrificing their humanity, not even necessarily creating disconnection. Like they just stay connected in it in a way that is So I've watched it happen and I know it's possible. And I just believe that if we could figure out how to create a groundswell of ordinary people doing this, because yes, I would love to see this out of our leaders. Of course I would. I'd love to see better leadership. I'd love to see our government setting a better example for us. I'd love to see our legislators doing a better job of this. But the truth is, this is also on the ground. That's really where it really lives. And so this is our responsibility. It's, this is what we do in our little lives that are much more localized. And we get the opportunity to set the example too, instead of just waiting around for it, waiting around for somebody to go first. And people are watching, and they see that. Like that has a really powerful accrued effect if we would let it. And so, especially
1: online, people are literally watching. They're that literally post watching. that you did, that you're like, okay, there's one negative comment.
0: How do I respond to yeah. it? People see it. That is so right. That is so right. I try to do that regularly when there is a critique on in the in the comment feed, or you know, a criticism of some. And I and I find it to be in good faith. Right As there's a, a difference you know what I'm saying <laughs> there's a difference there's a difference we, we don't throw our energy at every spinning top that that's unwise but when i find it to be in good faith i think then having a conversation in a visible way in front of everybody else watching is very people always comment on it like i guess that's how it's done i guess this is possible and it is and this is our work okay heather So this whole series is called faith shakers. And it's been really, really interesting. When I think about shaking things up in a faith way, and I'm asking everybody in this series, like these couple of questions, I wonder if you'd be willing to, to talk about what is the biggest shakeup you've had in your own personal, like faith story. Mm,
1: I, I just came out of a, big shakeup. I think I just left, I was teaching at a, a very conservative, very monolithic school. And I, I had come out of, I I came back actually to where I was before that I'm at right now, the most diverse university in the country. So I was very, I'm very used to having a very diverse experience with all these different thoughts and literally like people from every different country in my exact same classroom and we're all the same space. And then I went into a very Republican space. And you want to know it, it shook me in the sense that I realized that there's so much human dignity there too. Right. It shook me in the sense that I realized these are God's children. Right. And this one, several issues, right. But there were several issues that I was letting make me unable to see that. And so I was really challenged because I met some really wonderful people. And I also will say one example that comes to my mind, like in this next generation, these were all like very Republican students. And when I talk about immigration, they were like, yeah, we think immigration is super important. Absolutely. We need to have immigration reform. So all my preconceived ideas Mm, where I'm like, okay, I have to be careful here and tiptoe. They're like, no, I don't have a problem with that. So I said, huh, sometimes we let the words become... All encompassing of who that person is, and it's just not true. And when we start, let people show you who they are. I guess that's what I really learned is that it's important, still, no matter what side you're on, to let people really
0: show you who they are. I really love that. I was just talking yesterday to my friend, and I was telling him, You know, we're down in Texas, and my kids have been like born and raised here, so that's a whole deal. You know, that's like a whole deal. So, my oldest son, Gavin, who's 20, almost 24. He looks and seems a certain way because he's kind of raised on a ranch and he's a hunter and his major in college was ranch management. That's a thing. That's a real thing. That's something that children study and they go into a job. And so it's like very country and very Southern and he's white. And it just, you're thinking, I know your deal. Like I kind of know, I'm looking at you. I see how you look with your cowboy boots and your ranch. And I just get your deal. And it's so funny because he really came up through like a science space. He's like a conservationist and like biologist. And he's like, that's absurd. He's like, I have black siblings. I have a gay sibling and I care about the earth. He's like, I'm a conservationist mom. I'm like, honey, I know you don't. Somebody would have to talk to you to discover right. this about you. Like, imagine can, doing that. Imagine can you imagine? People, right? <laughs> yeah. He looks a certain way. You could a hundred percent size him up and be like, "I got your deal." I'm not. It's not worth a conversation, and you'd be wrong. And so, I love discovering that. That if we are willing to sort of peel back a layer or two with people and prioritize curiosity around who they are, what they care about, what their experiences have been to form them in this way. I feel like I can almost connect with anybody. Literally almost anybody. I'll find something. We'll find something. I'm
1: saying we have to do that work. Of course there's radicalized people, but I genuinely think a lot of us are just carrying these labels and it's not even fully who that person is, right? They're being told that this is the label that they have to carry. So where can we agree? How do we find those spaces? It's good.
0: I love your instruction. I think this is so healthy and it's just full of possibility for a better looking future than the one we are like yeah, observing I hope right so. now. One more question for you. Yeah. I ask everybody this every series, and I want you to feel free to answer this literally however you want. It can be earnest or it can be ridiculous and we okay. get it all. Okay? okay. This is Barbara Brown Taylor's question. She says, what's saving your life right now?
1: Oh, well I okay. So today I found out that Taylor Swift is releasing Taylor's version of 1989. I am a I am a uh-huh. massive Taylor Swift fan. Uh-huh. It is uh-huh. it is bad. It is it's a problem. we won't get it. We won't go there. Uh-huh. I'm obsessed with her. So I'm
0: very excited about 1989. Yeah.
1: Taylor's version. I really am still excited about Wordle. Wordle is saving my okay. life, and my students are always saving my life.
0: Okay, I'm the last person to wordle. I, I I'm not you on. You haven't it. done it. I know. I don't know. Is what this a is rebellion my... <laughs> thing? Is this rebelling from the system? Jen, I I'm really hurt that you're not doing it. <laughs> I know. I know. I feel like I am being rebellious for a reason. I can't Point. I hear it. And I it. don't want you to I fight it anymore. Saying. It's gonna feel so good to just give into this. Okay, fine. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to do it. And I have all your information now. So I will okay. text you send and I will let you score. know. I'm I, so oh, it's a score. Like you're I mean, based you're on how many times
1: me, it takes. You're going to set, you're going to click share. Let me just say, you'll click share. And then you're going to send it to my text
0: message. I need to see I'm, your board. I'm so competitive. I can and feel so, this in my and bones right now. I'm ready right to now. beat
1: you every single day. So I'm ready for that.
0: You're tapping into my dark side. I'm an Enneagram three. Like, just
1: slow the I the just ground. need
0: to be on top. I'm so, a three I'm an oh, okay. Well, then this is making sense. This is why okay. this is working. Uh huh. Uh huh. This is perfect. Okay, listen. I'm so happy you were on the show today, and I Me really too. appreciate your perspective. I really appreciate your faithfulness. I appreciate that you are willing to push into non-traditional spaces with integrity and hope and leadership. And we need that. We need that. I'm so happy that you have the ear of the next generation and that they are looking to you. That makes me feel so hopeful and really proud of you and proud of your work. And so will you please just tell people as we sign off here where they can find you, where they can find your work, your book, everything.
1: Yeah. Um, you can just find me at heatherthompsonday.com and that should take you to my Twitter and Instagram. And my book is called, it's not your turn. So I'm really
0: excited about that book. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job. You thank you. You're out here killing the game. Okay. Thank you for being on thank you. so happy to meet you cheering for you in every way. Take care. You too. guys, we just barely scratched the tip of the iceberg on Heather's work. And so I really want you to follow her and learn from her. She is so well-versed in this space, in social media and communications. And so for you, for the kids you're raising, there's so much here for us. So if you go to jenhatmaker.com under the podcast tab, I will have everything on this particular episode. I'll have the show notes and I'll have all the links to Heather's social media spaces and her book and everything else there is Heather related. So you can find her easily. And thank you guys for being here. This is a really cool series and I'm really excited about our guests in it. And, I feel stretched and challenged and inspired by what it is they are doing in non-traditional spaces. I love it. To me, this is just really creative work and I'm happy to put them in front of you. So don't miss next week. Come on back. More to come. Thanks for subscribing and rating and reviewing the show, you guys. That matters so much to our podcast and we pay attention to everything you say, all your comments, all your suggestions. This is such a loyal and committed listening community. And we appreciate you so very much. So on behalf of Laura and her crew and Amanda and I, we love you. We love to serve you and we'll see you next week.